and welcome to Faithful, I faith podcast where we talk about nerdy things in all respects. We're nerdy about faith and religion, and we're also nerdy about, you know, books about, like, angels and demons. That sounds like the same thing when you put it yeah. that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, hey, welcome to Faithful. My name is Emma. <laughs> My name is Christina. And today you probably saw the, you know, title or whatever, but we're talking again about Good Omens. I'm pretty mm-hmm. excited about it because I, I also don't know excited. the ending. <laughs> I, uh, well, first off, I'm going to uh, make a statement here, which is, hey, yeah, I know that this episode is technically out a week late. We tried to record last week and our computers did not want to cooperate. And then I was like, let's just not worry about recording this. We're going into Labor Day weekend. Yeah, exactly. And I had homework. I was driving for, I drove for 10 hours over the course of the weekend. <laughs> so I wasn't going to worry about editing. So hope you guys don't mind. That's what we're doing. I'm not apologizing for it. No. You try recording a podcast on bad college Wi-Fi, dorm Wi-Fi. Zero out of 10 would not recommend. No, I wouldn't. But you know what? We're here this week, so it's going to hopefully be a good episode. And also, this is actually going to be part two out of three episodes that we will do about Good Omens at some point, because for today's episode, I finished reading the book (laughs) and then decided, you know, I probably should also watch the miniseries at some point. So that will be forthcoming at some point in the future. I make absolutely no promises, but it is on my radar. So there's going to be some stuff that I deliberately do not spend much time on today because I feel like it'll probably come up a lot in the show. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So before I go through my notes and stuff, which is at this point probably going to be mostly talking about theme, although I can give a recap. Emma, what do you remember about what we talked about for Good Omens last time? Oh, goodness. I wasn't prepared for a quiz. I'm pulling a Shannon on you, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I remember, um, like, I vaguely remember some of the themes. I remember that, like, it's not just, like, good versus evil. Like, it looks like on the outside, but, like, the complexity of religion and the grayness of it and, you know, different sides talking together and cooperating and learning from each other, I think. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, I heard Azrafel's name said out loud for the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, that's all I got. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> okay, so I will. If it's okay, I will go ahead and give the recap. Mm-hmm. A very very condensed recap. That's fine. Of the book Good Omens. Okay, and I actually did not prepare for that part, so I'm going to be kind of free-winging this recap here. (laughs) I apologize if I get anything incorrect. Also, not going to worry about it too much. (laughs) Okay, so Good Omens begins with a... I mean, it starts off with, like, Crowley, the the, Crowley, a demon, and Aziraphale, and Angel, uh, hanging out together after Crowley tempted... Eve into eating the tr- the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
And after they were cast out, Aziraphel gave Eve his flaming sword to keep them safe from the ravages of the world or whatever. Right. And then it, fa- and then it fast forwards to uh, Crowley having to go do a baby swap with the Antichrist, who is brought to him by a couple of demons, uh, Hastur and Ligor. And the baby swap hits a hitch because there's an extra parent there. So instead of the baby being raised by an American diplomat, like is so commonly used in media, like in um, like in the Left Behind series, <laughs> uh, instead the baby Antichrist is raised in a very humble English town. It's called Lower Tadfield. And uh, the name he is given is Adam Young, which is just like, first, like, just like, that's a very, like, apropos name for, you know, the Antichrist. <laughs> I'm also probably going to swap between saying anti and anti. I don't really care which. It's fair. Um, but yeah, so Crowley and uh, Aziraphale spend the next 11 years essentially babysitting the, the kid who they think is the Antichrist who is being raised by this American diplomat, <laughs> uh, it does not go well because they try to teach him conflicting ideas. Like, obviously, Crowley is trying to indoctrinate him into the forces of evil, and Aziraphale is, like, teaching him about, you know, like, you know, like, all things right and beautiful, the Lord God made them all, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And then the big thing is that the Antichrist is supposed to get uh, is supposed to be assigned a hellhound on his 11th birthday. And when the kids, ele- when all of them, all three babies turn 11 on the same day, because of course they do, <laughs> uh, on their 11th birthday, Crowley and Aziraphale do not see the hellhound show because they've been watching over the wrong kid for 11 years. <laughs> this annoys both of them extremely, and they go and get drunk, horribly, horribly drunk, (laughs) and decide that they're still going to do their best to help avert the apocalypse that is coming. So in the meantime, uh, Adam Young got his hellhound, and he has has three friends. Uh, Their names are Pepper, who is a redhead and the only girl. Uh, Her full name is Pippin Galadriel Moonchild. Which is That's just awesome. a name and a half. Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, then there is Wensleydale. He's very much so the nerd out of all of them. And then there's Brian, who I just kept picturing as Pigpen from Charlie <laughs> Brown because Brian is just like perpetually filthy. Gotcha. And a, and a little bit dumb, but also like good, good kid. Good. So like they're hanging out at like their favorite hideout spot, and Pepper is like, "What kind like?" Like, you should ask your parents for a dog, Adam, and they're like, what? And then it's like, what kind of a dog would you want? And he's like, well, I want, like, I don't want, like, a, I don't want a fancy dog. I just want, like, a scrappy dog that has, like, one ear that, that's turned inside out and one ear that sticks straight up. <laughs> and the narration keeps cutting between, like, the hellhound, like, oh, like, the hellhound has to shrink to become a small dog. <laughs> and then it's, like, the pop- be, like oh, like there's just there's a small pop of air from its ear turning inside out, and there was a big moment where like the hellhound is going to be named, which will like, you know like, 
cement its nature or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the hellhound was like, call me, like, call me Trapper, call me, like, call me, call me Blood Thief or something. <laughs> and Adam's like, no, I'm just gonna call this dog Dog. <laughs> nice and simple and to the point. <laughs> and then, like, the hellhound is just so, is, like, its last thought as a pure hellhound is like, oh no. <laughs> and then it is just a, a, a scrappy mutt terrier dog with one ear turned inside out and one ear sticking straight up. <laughs> and it's and it's very cute. Aww. Yeah. And then like from there the narration kind of like pops all over the place because then it cuts to like Crowley and Aziraphale trying to track down like where, like, where did the Antichrist go? <laughs> As, like, yakety sex plays in the background. <laughs> uh, they end up getting... They end up literally running into a a young woman on a bike out, like, in this town, Lower Tadfield. Turns out that she is a... She is a witch and a descendant of a famous prophetess named Agnes Nutter. <laughs> um, if you look at the cover of a printed edition of uh, Good Omens, it's the full title is The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which... So, this girl's name is Anathema Device. <laughs> uh, because, just, it is. And she has a book of, like, she always keeps with her, like, a book of prophecies that is all about how the world is going to end <laughs> and everything and like various other bits that this witch Agnes like foresaw about her descendants and then like wrote down so that she could help her descendants through time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And so and like she came to Lower Tadfield to investigate what was going on. Crowley and Aziraphale end up with the book, which they don't realize until they get back to London. And then Aziraphale spends at least, like, three days reading this book. <laughs> like, it keeps cutting in with, like, oh, like, the cup of hot cocoa he'd made himself had gone, it was still steaming. And then it was lukewarm. And then it was evaporating. And now it was green sludge. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, okay. But, uh, while, while Aziraphale is reading, uh, Crowley is getting, the end of days is approaching. Crowley gets tracked down by the two demons, uh, Hastur and Ligor. Uh, he manages to incapacitate both of them. I'll talk about that part later. And he goes to try and find Aziraphale. Um, as, and at this point, Aziraphale has been attacked by, by a witch hunter. <laughs> because those exist. And it turns out that the witch hunter has been bankrolled by both Aziraphale and Crowley. <laughs> And he tries to, this witch hunter guy tries to banish Kraut, or Aziraphale, who instead gets zapped into his own teleportation circle to heaven, and then has to body surf his way back to England so he can help avert the apocalypse. Wow. At this point, his bookstore also gets caught on fire, oh, so no. Crowley, has to, Crowley has to go rescue the book. It's a, his, his bookstore is fine in the end. Oh, okay. For anyone else like me who was concerned. <laughs> um, at the same time, the Witchfinder's subordinate, a guy whose name is Newt, who's, a guy whose name is Newt Pulsifer, <laughs> uh, he is a very, he, he's just a very, like, good, like a good guy, maybe a little bit, like, plain, but, you know, 
it's it's a book, so he's not like <laughs> he he's not a bad person. He's just kind of plain. Sure, but he he ends up going to Lower Tadfield because he's like something weird is going on here. He meets Anathema. They have a meet cute, which involves his car getting hit by a by a flying saucer that is. Uh, and then he gets told by little green people that humans are destroying the planet's ozone layer. (laughs) (laughs) And then he and Anathema have their meet-cute. Uh, turns out that the prophecy book, uh, foretold them, foretold them meeting and everything, and they work to try and avert the apocalypse. Everything kind of spirals together so that all the major players of the book, in a part that took a very long time to read... (laughs) end up in Lower Tadfield, where Adam and his three friends uh, are, they hang out, Adam's, like, Antichrist powers start to manifest, Mm -hmm. and then his three friends are able to talk him down by reminding of, like, the human scale of things that he would be trying to do. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, I believe me, I'm gonna be coming back to that. (laughs) But they... They, they they talk him down from that, and he's like, okay, we're gonna stop this apocalypse. So they all get to this meeting place, at which point the four kids manage to banish the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> and then they are they are met there by Newt and uh, Newt and Anathema and Crowley and Aziraphale and a couple other characters they picked up along the way, and also the Metatron, the voice of God, and Beelzebub, the <laughs> the de- the demonic duke. <laughs> and they Adam manages to talk everyone down from having the apocalypse. <laughs> and then it's implied that Satan is approaching. Okay. And Adam and Adam banishes Satan. Alright. So it's like the apocalypse is just gonna happen at some other time. <laughs> and then it's just it just ends on like, hey, everyone's just gonna go on and do their normal things. And also, Adam kind of reset the world so like Aziraphale has his bookstore back. Like, oh, okay. no, like like people aren't like injured or hurt or whatever anymore. That kind of a thing. So it sounds like Adam did or- a lot of work, and Crowley and Aziraphale didn't do much at all. Yeah, they they did help. Sure. But Adam is definitely, like, the main character of the book. Interesting, okay. Like, and I would say that Crowley and Aziraphale are more so, like, like, they, they, they do more providing of perspective than anything else. Sure, yeah. They are point-of-view characters, but they're, I wouldn't necessarily call them the protagonists. Right, okay. Yeah, it's, it's real weird. As far as, like, who occupies which character role. Sure, yeah. But yeah, so that is, uh, that is my summary of Good Omens, which, uh, looking at my unedited wave file, took me ten, uh, took me twelve minutes, so, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> oh, hey, I think this is gonna help. Like, li- honestly, just, like, advertise this episode, like, if you don't know what Good Omens is about, and you don't really care to read or watch the show, just listen to the first 15 minutes of this episode. <laughs> yeah, or whatever it edits down to. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, I have, I have notes on a lot of the themes, and also a section that I just titled Random Bits, which right, I thought cool. were fun. So, where would you like me to start? Uh, let's start with just, like, themes. 
I mean, like, which theme in particular? Like, oh. was there anything when I was talking through that summary that you want to jump into first? Um, well, what was that thing that, made, that was interesting to me? It was, like, oh, his, oh, Adam's friends, like, talking him down by, like, explaining the humanity side yeah. of it or something? Yeah. So, uh, that, uh, let me, let me find that part in my notes. Oh, here. That part comes from my big, long section that I had on uh, free will versus predestination. Oh, yes. Let's start there. Okay. Um, the part with the the part with the kids talking him down is essentially that Adam, prior to the events of the book starting, or prior to the events of, like, the apocalypse really kicking off, had kind of been, like, a normal, boring kid, but mm-hmm. with, like, a really strong imagination and a really strong belief in things. Interesting. So, his, he like, it, it's kind of implied that, like, he didn't have a lot of interest in, like, things that were maybe outside of, like, fiction. Okay. Like, I, it, it's mentioned at one point that he has, like, Star Wars X-Fighters in his bedroom or something. But his powers are really sparked off by his meeting anathema Mm -hmm. and she is like very she's very like dedicatedly a liberal (laughs) (laughs) so she gives him like this magazine it's called like the aquarian or something Mm -hmm. one thing actually i actually didn't have a part in here is just how much so much of this is relevant in 2019 yeah so i'll probably talk about that in the the episode on the series i think that's yeah this the series came out this year. It'll be, it'll be, that way I can examine, like, what, what was relevant from the book to the series to current events. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, there's literally a part in the book where they talk about the Amazon burning, and it's like, oh. well! <laughs> but, yeah. So, Adam is someone who had not previously thought about, like, oh, like, the effect that humanity has on the world, like, the continued killing off of whales, like, the holes in the ozone layer that are created by destroying of natural environments and burning of greenhouse gases. and But then it, it all, like, this magazine also has stuff in it that's more, like, conspiracy theory, like Hollow Earth, mm. and, like, and, like, Tibetan monks digging into, digging all the way through the Earth's crust and mantle and core and coming out the other side of the Earth. <laughs> and... Then also in things like, part of the magazine is like, no, he and Anathema have a conversation about how nuclear power plants are bad. (laughs) And then in his sleep, Adam manages to subconsciously vanish all of the uranium from a nuclear power plant. (laughs) And like, the power plant is still producing all the electricity that it should. It's just, it just doesn't have any uranium anymore. Weird. Yeah. And so that kind of sparks it off where, like, all of these... I think I mentioned last time that it's implied the Antichrist is kind of like a causality sink. Right. And that continues because then, like, all of these weird things keep happening around Lower Tadfield. Okay. Which is the, like, the hometown. Like, I mentioned the part about the aliens that fly in from the sky and tell humanity and tell Newt that humans are destroying the earth with their greenhouse with their like emissions and things. Mm-hmm. But like also there's a point at which like to like Tibetan monks just 
dig they dig holes up out of the ground and <laughs> and they just end up in Lower Cadfield and none of them know where they came from or why they're there. <laughs> and it's at one point like the lost continent of Atlantis emerges from the ocean. <laughs> because the because the kids were talking about how cool it would be if Atlantis was real. Wow. And all of these and like side note, I appreciate how the fact that Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. were it that like they had the idea to like contextualize all of these like like Book of Revelations prophecies because like you know what like you know who would come up with those a kid oh that's super interesting actually I just had that thought right now <laughs> I try wow. but yeah like so all of this is happening and then as Adam's powers like continue to emerge and like break through his like break through his self mm-hmm. uh like things start to get crazy and then the kids are all like what is going on here and then adam is like we need to change things we need to make things we need to make things better because all of the old people have been just ruining everything <laughs> and he gets to the part that is like described in revelation of like dividing the world up into pieces oh like each of the kids gets like an area of the world and because they're 11 it's like oh pepper the redhead gets russia because her hair is red and russia is red (laughs) Uh, but then it's also but then like he also gives the entire continent of australia to his dog (laughs) so that dog can chase rabbits and kangaroos around australia oh but like the big thing that pulls him out of it is that Pepper asks, well, Adam, what part are you going to get? What parts? What part of this world is going to be yours? Because, like, it's not fair if we all have a continent and then you don't get a continent. Oh, here, I have the quote. But, but I'll have Tadfield and Lower Tadfield and Norton and Norton Woods. They're all I've ever wanted. I can have them if I want. I can make them better, too. Better trees to climb. Better ponds. And then it kind of, like, goes into another line of dialogue that I didn't write down. Mm-hmm. But it just, like, the reminding of, like, no, like, this is your place. Like, mm-hmm. you might have these incredible reality-warping powers, but you're also still just a kid and really want your hometown to be the way it is when you were growing up there forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at that point, once they, like, point out, like, if you change things, like, we're still gonna know. And he, like, he mentions, like, oh, but I can just make you forget that. And then his friends, like, shrink back in fear. Oh, no. Which really snaps him out of it. And he apologizes, I think. And then he's like, okay, we're gonna stop this. And they they reason it out by pointing out that, like, the kids have, like, their their enemy, which is, like, another gang of rival kids. Mm -hmm. And they are, and they point out that, like, well... If one of us definitively won over the other, then we wouldn't have we wouldn't have someone to be we wouldn't have an enemy to fight against. Like mm-hmm. so we would turn on each other and we would fight each other. Right. Like, you know, brother against brother, civil war kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And someone mentions at that point and then Adam realizes like, you know what, like like these two parties, like heaven and hell, are they each are on their own side. But you all, but then you can also be on your side. You can make your own side. Interesting. So, Adam decides to take the side of humanity. Wow. 
Which is really refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So that's that part. That's super interesting. I love that. I don't know if I have a lot to add to it, but like, it's just very interesting and different than the traditional like layout of a story. Mm-hmm. I really like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do too, obviously, because I took a... I took a double Christina amount of notes on this for anyone who's ever <laughs> for anyone who's ever seen the notes that I take for a normal a normal amount. <laughs> yeah. So where do you want to go next? Um I think just you just keep reading your notes in whatever order they're okay. in. Okay. Uh would you like for me to read my essential my thesis statement or summary of the author's and book's stance on free will and predestination? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my, my interpretation is as written. Uh, as far as mortals, including, possibly including angels and demons, uh, perception of free will goes, we have it. Things might be predestined according to God's plan, but we are not capable of understanding it or of truly knowing what it is, partially because of the whole ineffable thing, mm. which I actually looked up again which means something that is incapable of being expressed or explained through words or is not to be mentioned or said, mm-hmm. or in this case, understood. Yeah. So essentially do, do what you do, what you think is best because what we perceive as free will may or may not actually be free will, but we can't change that. That's not, I really like that. Yeah. So my, my background is that like, I've talked about my dad a lot and his, his, like his views and like my views and and my church's views is like that predestination isn't a thing. And if you're not familiar with the concept, predestination is just like at the beginning of time, your name was written in a book and you were either going to heaven or hell and there's nothing Mm -hmm. you can do to change it. Yeah. Oh, I have, I have, I have two things. So finish your thought and then I'll hit them. Um, and so, so my, uh, grandpa, my dad's dad, believes in predestination but my dad and my family doesn't and so um i've heard them debate it a lot and Mm -hmm. so that's a really interesting topic to me and i think this is a really easy like interesting way to like wrap your head around it Mm -hmm. because yeah it's just like so so like me who's been raised in a church that doesn't believe in predestination i'm just like that's crazy how could you just say that like these people are just going to go to hell no matter what then like what's the point of anything if that's what it's like but Mm -hmm. you know like the way that this book is presenting it where it's like listen you can do anything and god knows everything that you're gonna do to the very last second and like so he does know if you're gonna go to heaven or hell or not yeah but that doesn't mean that you like doing good things won't get you to it just means like it's a lot bigger than we could understand yeah Yeah, i like that a lot yeah first off is there the one of the big roles that crowley and aziraphale play in like the big ultimate showdown Mm -hmm. is that they point out to the metatron and beelzebub that it is entire that like because they're trying to get Adam to go along with the capital G, capital P, great plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because, like, he's the Antichrist. That's what he's supposed to do. Right. And then Aziraphale and Crowley point out that, well, 
how do you know that this isn't actually part of God's plan? Mm. Like, we, we know what, like, the great plan is, but we don't actually know what God's plan is. Like, how do you know that this is what you're supposed to be doing right now? Did you ask? Like, how do you, like, how do you know this isn't just some kind of a test that God is doing <laughs> to test you and, like, your loyalty or whatever? Or Satan in the case of the, de- in the case of the demons in attendance. Right. But them pointing that out essentially gets them to back down because they're like, okay, well, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> so. Oh, and... man. I think, sorry, just to insert myself before your second point. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, I think that that reality check is so important, especially for, like, leaders in, mm-hmm. like, churches and, and whatever. Like, just, like, and, and for everybody, it's just, like, we don't know what's happening ever. Mm-hmm. at all and it's impossible to wrap your mind around what's happening oh, yeah. and why so just you know relax for a second oh, yeah. <laughs> i actually have a i have a quote that i can pull here that also ties back to that part you said about like everything being written in a book at the time of your birth or whatever mm-hmm. or at the time of the universe's creation whichever you want to whichever one you want to pull from sure um the quote from the book is from uh page 337 of my edition um, perhaps this isn't just a test of the world, said Crowley. It might be a test of you people, too. Hmm? <laughs> it actually does say, hmm, in the text. <laughs> uh, God does not play games with his loyal servants, said the Metatron. Everyone turned to Adam. I don't see why it matters what is written, not when it's about people. It can always be crossed out, said Adam. True facts. And then, like, it is very strongly implied that, like, Adam taking this stance pleases God. No, nice. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, like, everything paused and, like, like the clouds cleared from the sky. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, like how it is in, like, Bethesda games, like, God, like, God appreciates that. God will remember <laughs> that. Ugh. <laughs> uh. I love that. I also love, this is a a little bit off topic, but not really, just, like, kind of, like, a message in this whole thing of, like, God using the Antichrist to do good in the world, Mm -hmm. and, like, I just, like, the juxtaposition between just the idea Mm -hmm. of saying that is so interesting to me. And, like, there's also the fact that when, when Adam essentially, like, mind wipes the world so that people people will remember that like well the main players that were there will remember that something big happened but they'll forget enough of the specifics that their brains won't melt when they try (laughs) to remember it right uh and like it's mentioned that like all of the things that like he kind of like like causality waves into existence are like good things like right. the like the 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 two other babies who are implied that it's like like actually the leader of the other bully gang that the kids are are uh are aligned against and then like the uh the diplomat's son from America like like they both have good things happen to them like the the bully kid finds his passion in life which is tropical fish <laughs> and like and like Aziraphale gets his bookshop back, and like Newt and uh, Newt and uh, Anathema get like 
they are like they they are implied to be going towards a happy ending for the two of them. Aww. And like the people that have been kind of like dancing around each other romantically end up together. And like <laughs> the kids all like the worst thing that happens is that Adam gets grounded. <laughs> Which because he is the antichrist, he just uses his reality warping powers to warp himself a, a hole out of the hedge that surrounds his yard and gets out. <laughs> But, like, the fact that, like, all of, like, the things that he did were all good things. Right. Is, like, that's just, that that makes me happy. And, like you said, it, it, it kind of implies, like, if, like, that God is, like, like, hey, like, hey, like, Antichrist, like, maybe you should do some good stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, people throw around the word Antichrist a lot, especially, like, now in today's culture. And... Mm-hmm. I've always kind of had an issue with that. It's like, okay, you can extremely dislike this person. This person could be a very bad person. But mm-hmm. Antichrist is a very strong word and concept that I feel like shouldn't be thrown around lightly. Yes. Um, but, yeah, just like this, this story talking about how it, like, even if it was the Antichrist, like, that doesn't mean the end of the world, necessarily. Like, just... Because, I guess, like, this book... I didn't read it, obviously, but, like... Yeah. It went through every step of Revelation and went through the whole thing that the Bible said was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the world is fine. <laughs> and yeah. humanity survived, and they're maybe even better than they were before. And, like, I think that that's a really interesting take to have on it and, like, perception oh, yeah. to just go into the world with. Just, like, mm-hmm. hey, this really really bad awful stuff is happening but it's not the end and i you know i think god has a bigger plan than that than to just let us kill ourselves here Mm -hmm. you know oh yeah before i forget um here's just like an out of context fun bit um about the book that is relevant to the book of revelation (laughs) um in this book one of the authors i can't tell which uh decided that uh, like the prophet in there in in the world of good omens, all like all people who have prophetic gifts are like actual prophets. Okay, it's just that most of them have they come up with some kind of coping mechanism, whether it's like alcohol or some kind of some kind of addiction. They they literally Aziraphale literally mentions that Saint John of Patmos, the <laughs> one who wrote the book of Revelation, was always high on shrooms. <laughs> and like the in in the in this world, the all of these prophets had to they developed all these coping mechanisms to to deal with their with their like prophetic visions and how enormous and like outside of human reasoning they were <laughs> right yeah yeah which was just like a funny part i was like i don't know i don't know which one of you did this <laughs> but it's it's a good point that i wouldn't have thought of necessarily yeah i so i forget a little bit like did we find out that um terry and neil were they are they religious at all or did they just come from a religious background and it's kind of a satire sort of situation I- According to Google, Terry Pratchett was not a believer, but he was probably some kind of uh, some kind of agnostic. Sure, that makes sense. 
Uh, Neil Gaiman does not particularly care about he does not particularly care about religion or the existence of any kind of higher power. Got it. Okay, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, but My... they re- since the two of them are not since the two of them do not especially follow any particular religion or faith. This is a very faithful book. Yeah, I was yeah that was like the point I was gonna make is I think people who are removed from like the culture of like Christianity and like yes. being in it for their entire lives can have mm-hmm. such different and interesting and insightful like ways to look at it that oh, it's yeah. pretty much impossible when you're like in it and mm-hmm. it's just like I, I'm I don't remember exactly what it was said but I definitely remember, like, hearing a sermon once or something that was, like, or maybe it's just, like, a post on Facebook or something. But it was just, like, like, God has, like, atheists exist and agnostic people and whatever because they have, just because they have different opinions and, like, it's insightful that they, like, that to see how, like, I don't know. It just, oh, no, it was, like, because they can... Because when they do good, it's because they're doing good to do good. Like, it's not because, like, they think it's going to earn them some better place and a higher place or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. they are doing good for the sake of doing good, not for motivation to save themselves. Exactly, yeah. And I think it's, I just really like reading, like, commentary on religion, even if it's, like, comedic and funny Mm -hmm. from people who are outside of it. Because, like, it's always so interesting to me. And I, I love, I love it. I think it's yeah. very, very good. Side note, before I forget, uh, Neil Gaiman has a book called American Gods. That, is uh, not, yes. al- that also is a miniseries. Um, he takes a very interesting approach to combining, like, mythology and religion mm-hmm. and faith and stuff in that book. Uh, I read it a few years ago, but uh, as some... As someone who uh, identifies as gray asexual, there were parts of that book that I definitely skipped. <laughs> but fair enough. There are, but at the same time, like there are also some really interesting things in there. So if sure, you're yeah. interested, maybe check that out. But I would definitely read Good Omens first. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else you got in your notes then? Uh, well, where do you want to go? Uh, Wherever other... you want to take me. Other headers that I have are, we kind of pretty much address the prophets and prophecy part. Yeah, I think so. Um, I've got a whole lot in free will and predestination. I've got a couple of parts on the nature of sin and grace and how it changes. And also in nature versus nurture. So inherent nature uh, affecting and whether or not it affects your actions or whether or not that determines the kind of actions that you take. Right. Let's just start from the top and go down. The the okay. That was reverse order from how Well I then whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever the easiest way to read it is. Okay. Uh I'm going to since I don't want this recording to run too too long tonight. Yeah. How about this? I will say the my like my thesis summary or whatever for each section. Yeah. And then, depending on how you feel about that, I can pick out, like, a part from my notes. Sure. Okay. So, for the so for the good and evil, um, inherent nature uh, versus nurture thing, um, 
my statement for that was that nature versus nurture defined as behavior is whether or not behavior is determined by genetics or by the environment. Uh, in this context, uh, Gaiman and Pratchett are in favor of nurture. So your behavior is determined by your environment, not your genetics. Mm -hmm. And in regards to good omens, uh, regardless of nature or original creation, in the case of the angels and demons, uh, all beings are capable of acting against their natures for good or for ill. Or, in the case of humans, for neutrality. Sure, yeah. Makes sense to me. So, would you just like a random example from this? I would love that. Okay, I'm gonna cut out... I'm gonna ignore stuff that includes Crowley and Aziraphale, because that will probably come up in Good Omens Part 3. Sure. Um... Before I forget, the thing with uh, Crowley trapping uh, Haster and Leaker, Ligor, whatever, is that Crowley has a flask of holy water that he uses in the classic bucket-over-the-open-door trick <laughs> to melt Ligor into a puddle of goo. <laughs> and then he traps Hastor in his voicemail. In his answering machine. <laughs> like, that is, like, some Bugs Bunny-level shenanigans, and it works. <laughs> That's so fun. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I thought you should know that. <laughs> um, oh, okay, here, I can read a good part for this. Um, when when Adam points out stuff um, about good versus evil, um, despite the fact that as the Antichrist has prophesied, not actual role in the in the great plan or whatever is to destroy the world uh he says verbatim i just don't see why everyone and everything has to be burned up and everything millions of fish and whales and trees and sheep and stuff and not even for anything important just to see who's got the best gang it's like us and the johnsonites the other bully gang mm -hmm. but even if you win you can't really beat the other side because you don't really want to i mean not for good you'll just start all over again you'll just keep sending people like crowley and aziraphale to mess people around it's hard enough being people as it is without other people coming and messing you around <laughs> yeah preach it mm -hmm. <laughs> and also like all the stuff that i mentioned earlier about like adam just doing like all of these good things for people yeah when According to biblical prophecy, he should be, like, tarring and feathering them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, on the nature of sin and grace and how they change. Um, my thesis for that was, sin and grace are, thing are things that are constantly changing, and humans, maybe even extending to beings, like, in this case, the angels and demons, are capable of both. As far as that goes, uh... Here, here's a good quote. This one is from Crowley's narration, so I will allow this. Uh, Hell wasn't a major reservoir of evil any more than heaven, in Crowley's opinion, was a fountain of goodness. They were just sides in the great cosmic chess game. Where you found the real McCoy, the real grace, and the real heart-stopping evil was right inside the human mind. Mm. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And it kind of ties into something that, like, Aziraphale mentions that, like, like, you have to, like, if you start, like, on either end of the scale, like, if you start as a demon or if you start as an angel, that, like, 
your that your actions good or ill are like they have less significance because maybe like they require less effort kind of extrapolating here sure but when humans do something that is like truly showing grace or that is truly like showing sin that it is that much more significance because it takes that much more like effort oh sure or energy to do that makes a lot of sense it's interesting and it kind of ties into like how Crowley has been trying to convince uh, Hastur and Leiter to like give up trying to do the whole like single target temptation mm. because that's not how the world works anymore. Right. Yeah. And instead, like it mentions at one point that I think Hastur like causes he does a big evil act, but then it kind of like balances out by causing a lot of good because he just he like essentially took out, like, a telemarketing company, and then it made everyone else happier in a ripple effect because they weren't bothered by telemarketers. <laughs> Which is, like, a just a funny image to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Did I already read the free will predestination thing earlier? Yes, I did. Yes, you did. There was a point at which I was just literally typing down quotes verbatim from the novel, so. (laughs) Um, A big part of the free will predestination thing is I haven't talked about this a whole lot, and I'm going to try and keep it on the shorter side, but uh, the character of Anathema, uh, essentially her entire existence has been defined by following and decoding the prophecies that uh, Agnes wrote down in this prophecy book. Mm Mm-hmm. And she is so obsessed to the well, with these that, like, she moves to Tadfield because that is the place where she is supposed to be, according to the prophecies. Wow. And, like, every, and, like, she knows, like, oh, yes, like, the world's going to end on this day. And, like, she's got the prediction in there about, like, oh, well, like... Like, this, this Witchfinder guy is going to turn up on my doorstep and, like, treat him with with Bark of Willow or something, which they have realized means aspirin. <laughs> but Anathema's, like, following of this Book of Prophecies is so strict that there's a point at which uh, she and Newt get to have a, a loving embrace. <laughs> and then afterwards... Newt is just, like, absolutely starstruck and over the moon because he just had sex with a pretty lady and he really enjoyed it. Sure, yeah. And and Anathema is like, okay, nope, like, let's go shower, the apocalypse is happening in, like, three hours, and she said we only get to have sex once. (laughs) And that she is just so either devoted to or feeling like her life is dictated by these prophecies that she has no room to, like, do whatever else. Right, yeah. And... At the end of the book, like, another book of prophecies shows up, but it's kind of implied that, like, she and Newt don't worry about that quite as much. Like, <laughs> sure. like, like, it's there, but they're not going to let it ruin their lives. And also, they get together, which is super cute. Because, <laughs> like, there's, there's a part when they're, like, trying to get to the meeting place for the apocalypse, which is this Air Force base. And they're trying to stop the the nuclear apocalypse from happening because the four horsemen, like, triggered everyone's nu- nuclear launch sequences. And they're trying to figure it out. And at one point, like, Anathema just kind of, like, gestures like Vanna White and is like, turn around, like, 
ta-da, here it is. And I'm like, that's really precious. And Aww. she deserves to not have to worry about every every single instance of her life being dictated by this book. Yeah, she sounds like a great character, and I think I love her. <laughs> uh, apparently, the actress who plays her in the TV series is also good-looking, so you also will probably love her if you ever see the TV series. Yes! <laughs> um, but yeah, so Anathema is a really interesting way to look at predestination in the course of this book. Yeah, absolutely. Very okay. interesting. And I think that was the last big part, because uh, here... Um, temp- uh, not not a temptation. A preview for what will happen the next time I talk about Good Omens, uh, is the equalization of Crowley and Aziraphale. So lowering the angel and raising the demon, so they kind of equalize out to human. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, here I will I will wrap up us talking about Good Omens for tonight by reading some bits from the random section, if that's okay. Please. Um, uh, there is a part, uh, where, uh, there's literally a part in the narration where it mentions that Aziraphale is the smartest angel because he uses a computer (laughs) when the rest of the angels just disregard computers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, there's the whole part with the with the four horsemen of the apocalypse and how they parallel the four kids from Adam's gang. Oh, interesting. So I didn't talk about that as much because it seems like a pretty common parallel, like like Adam is death because he's the most powerful mm-hmm. and also the least likely to die. <laughs> uh Pepper is war because she is the most fighty out of them. Sure. And she also has red hair. Mm-hmm. Um Wensleydale connects to Famine. I think because they're both the smart ones. That was the weakest parallel in my opinion. <laughs> and then Brian is pestilence. Uh, no, pe- Brian is pollution because he's also always dirty. Makes sense, yeah. Oh, uh, there's a fun part in the book where it's mentioned that there was previously a horseman named pestilence, but pestilence quit when humanity invented penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. It's good. I uh, yeah, it's good. I I had a part where I just wrote down that Aziraphale was quantum leaping his way back to England. <laughs> um, uh, more more causality sync stuff. Um. Oh, also fun fact. Uh, in the canon of Good Omens, Elvis Presley isn't dead. <laughs> Because at one point, the horseman, Death, like, is playing, like, a trivia game, and one of the questions is, what year did Elvis Presley die? And Death says, like, Elvis Presley isn't, like, he's not dead, I never laid a finger on him. (laughs) Which then also implies that, like, Elvis Presley is working at, like, a Burger King XP in Iowa, which is just, like, okay. (laughs) I mean, when you're writing a book, you can just write whatever you want, and it doesn't matter. (laughs) Before we get to, like, like what like what are each of our final thoughts on this, like, I think I have kind of figured out a little bit of, like, who wrote what parts in Good Omens. Oh, good. Uh, mostly, I think there are parts where there's kind of, like, a cutaway scene to 
normal people being affected by the crazy events that are going on around them. Like, hey, let's cut to let's cut to this police officer who is having to deal with a giant road congestion because there's just a biblical amount of lobsters in the roadway. <laughs> Or, like, cutting to a janitor in South America who gets to help a whole bunch of trees grow when when all of them are trying to grow in this, like, polluted mall or whatever. And I feel like that part is the stuff that was more Terry Pratchett. Sure. Because from my understanding of Discworld, I haven't actually read any Discworld. Do not at me. It's on my list. <laughs> um, that was kind of the thing that he really enjoyed writing, that kind of normal people's reaction to extraordinary events and then a lot of the more like mystical like religion stuff was probably more so Neil Gaiman because from my experience reading uh, American Gods and Coraline that is more in his wheelhouse sure yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah so uh I have essentially run through my notes for uh for this recording would you like to give our final thoughts on how this is and whether or not we sh- whether or not people should be reading it <laughs> yeah i mean so i think i appreciate the story a lot more and i understand why it's such a big deal right now and why so many people like it a lot better now that i actually understand it mm-hmm. um i don't think i'm personally going to go watch it anytime soon I think if I had a person to watch it with, I might be more inclined, but um, it sounds super interesting, and if you are more intrigued now that you understand, I think absolutely go for it, and I think absolutely, you know, if that's, if you want to think about it in a deeper, like, more spiritual way than just, you know, like, on the surface, just, like, satirical Mm -hmm. religion, just, like, you know, look at it deeper, which is... (laughs) That's what this whole podcast is. It's just looking at things yeah. deeper. But oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I like it. I think it's good. Faithful. 10 out of 10. The podcast about reading into things. <laughs> it's what I do best. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as I go, like, yes, I, w- I would suggest that people go read this. I think it is definitely more of a satirical and or comedic interpretation of like the of like the like like the 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 trope of the antichrist like it is definitely a more comedic and satirical like look into that but i would i i had an enjoyable time reading it there were some parts that were slog to get through like the parts Mm. where okay now we have to get all of the characters to this big apocalypse point (laughs) um but i enjoyed reading it and i would suggest that people read it and I'm a person who enjoys reading the book before I see something relating to it, which is why we're doing this before I go watch the show at some point. <laughs> Rad. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that might be it, right? You want to go into the outro? Yeah, let's go for it. Great. Well, that was another episode of Faithful. I hope you guys liked it. I thought that was a good discussion. I learned a lot and said some fun things, I think. Um <laughs> And Christina took a lot of great notes and is very good at explaining things. I appreciate her. (laughs) Um, 
So Faithful is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pippa, and, and pretty much any other place where you want to find podcasts. Um, our theme music is called Start of Something Beautiful, where we got courtesy of Ketza. Um, and we can be reached through an email at faithfulpod at gmail.com or through our Twitter at faithfulpods. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're still new. I think we're almost to double digits. Um, yeah, this will be episode 10. Double digits! Whoop, 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 whoop. So we're, you know, 10 episodes. I don't know, uh, we're still a pretty new podcast, though, you know? And so, <laughs> you know, get the word out there and tell us that you told a friend or something, you know? I want to know. Interact with us. I love you. <laughs> so, yeah, like, rate us, review us, um... Share us on Twitter. Do whatever you want, but do it. <laughs> yes. So uh, that's it for this episode, I think. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Yes. We'll ta- be talking about something that is not good omens. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Who knows what it'll be. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but in the meantime, keep, keep the, the faith! faith. It, you try recording a podcast on sh- stoop bad. <laughs> you just cycled through your vocabulary choices there, huh? <laughs>